Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Take It Away, the complete Paul McCartney archive podcast. Well, we are back again with Take It Away, the complete Paul McCartney archive podcast. It has been a little bit, but not too long. So we're doing a bit of a special episode today. It's not our usual thing in the sense there's no one record to go through. Paul has many live recordings. We are going to walk through his entire live discography and more from the early 70s until now. Yeah, it's a survey of a really large topic. I guess somebody could make their own full-scale podcast just on Paul's live recordings, especially if you got into all the bootlegs and stuff. Yes, I couldn't believe how many different recordings there are of all of this material. And it gave me a new appreciation for Paul as a live musician and touring artist in the sense, how are you still playing some of these songs night after night, 50 years later, you know? Yeah, that's something I think we'll reflect on quite a bit over the course of the show as we move through chronologically and start to get to the later stuff. It's remarkable that he still has the energy to give a bang-up Hey Jude performance or whatever. Seriously, and even some of the... Let's use the word criticism that we have had for McCartney's voice. It's supernatural in a way that he can still sing these songs in the same key. Yeah, they're all in the same keys. All of them. This has happened to me many times in the podcast. I learned things about Paul I didn't know when we're doing this research. And I have a new appreciation for him just as an athlete, right? Yeah, that's a good point. Just as an athlete. Playing bass like that, singing those high notes night after night, shredding, especially in the early part of his live career, he can go back and forth between his shredding voice and his choir boy voice on cue. Effortlessly. Remarkable. Yeah. Sometimes in the same song. (laughs) Yes. This episode, it's a bonus of sorts. It's not intended to be definitive. It's our personal favorite live moments, and we're going to walk through it chronologically. We'll give you our feelings about these live albums generally, more thoughts about Paul as a live artist. We'll touch on our favorite tours or eras, if you want to call them that. And maybe this is a good place to start before we get into what I call, or actually what you called, reading reading the big list. Uh, Yeah. Do you have feelings about live albums generally, just by any artist? Do you have favorites? You know, historically, you have that Frampton Comes Alive record, and there's that Cheap Trick record that's their live album. And these are the albums that were the breakthrough records for those artists. I think there's Uh those rare instances of that. And that's interesting, historically. Aside from that, live albums... They seem as a way to hedge the bet of bootleggers, people that record the show. Like, it's the artist trying to capture that income. Then also, isn't it just a tour souvenir? (laughs) Isn't that what it's supposed to be? 
Sometimes, you know, I thought of some live albums that mean something to me and also live recording, yeah. just single songs and things. I do think there are cases where like Randy Newman live, you know, that album from 70. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a great one. Well, that's kind of an actual Randy Newman album. Right. There are songs on there that aren't on the other albums and some that are purely solo that are maybe arranged on the other albums. I also thought of examples like Sinatra and Basie at the Sands. Oh, yeah. Where it's a fascinating moment in Sinatra's career where he's at the very end of being cool. He's got about <laughs> two more years of being cool. This is it. <laughs> and man, is he cool on this Sinatra at the Sands set. You make me young. You make me feel there are songs to be sung, lots of bells to be rung, and a wonderful fling to be flung. And even when I'm old and gray, I'm gonna feel the way I do today, because you make me feel so. Man, I just feel so. Really, really sounds at ease and has the, the Rat Pack swagger going, but also is entering that later period. His voice is getting a little croaky, but he's, he's using it well. I thought of another interesting live album that's quite odd, which is Big World by Joe Jackson. Oh, yeah. Does that count? Sure. Yes. Because it's, it's an album of original material, brand new stuff that they chose to record in front of an audience and they somewhat hilariously just told the audience, be real quiet, we're recording an album here. <laughs> on top of which, it's a three-sided album. You get a blank fourth side on that thing. I know a girl Got my mind in a mess I know what I said Midnight in She's not the only flame She's not the only Elvis Costello did a 6-8 reimagining of Only Flame in Town. That's just solo guitar, mm -hmm. kind of whispered, at a slow 6-8. It's a completely different song. It turns out it's a really passionate torch song when you play it that way. And so when artists completely rethink a song in a live context, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. There's a new song called The Only Flame in Town. I know a girl Got my mind in a mess I never heard her say Good night and God bless She's not the only
know, when things like that happen, when somebody uses the live context as a way to rethink something, mm. come up with a new arrangement or a new angle, that's always quite interesting. Two more quick ones, if you'll indulge me. Sort of sentimental, nostalgic albums for me. Ella Fitzgerald, Live in Rome. I think that's from 59. She's really in her prime. And also Elvis Presley, Aloha from Hawaii, which my parents had when I was a kid because I was actually born in Hawaii. And they saw him there and they had that album when I was a kid. And so those are just a few that come to mind that mean a little something to me. You were born in Hawaii? I was indeed, Honolulu. I didn't know that. Or possibly Kenya. It's hard to say. Wow. The mysterious origins of Chris Mercer. I love that. Yeah, everything you're saying about these live records is true. And I found that Todd thing I was talking about, and the reason I couldn't pull it all together in my brain is there's two. Nearly Human, which he did live in the studio. And apparently the takes that made it to the record are the last takes of the day where they would get a safety take and then they would all have a few drinks and then do a a loose take, like a wet take, as you you might want to call it. But Mm. most of them are the drunk takes on the record. And then this album called Second Wind, where they did live at a Palace of Fine Arts in San Francisco over a week. You know, there is some value to a live record. There is also value to a few of these McCartney live records, especially some of these recordings from the 70s, at least in my opinion. Mine too. As it goes on, maybe past 99, I have a hard time telling the difference between some of these records and some of these recordings. The band sounds almost identical, but then his voice ages for the later sets. Yeah. The band is great. and They are. Obviously, Paul McCartney's built this amazing touring machine, and you can't fault him for any of that. I just, I'm not saying any of that stuff is bad. It's very good. I just find myself mesmerized by these 70s recordings, especially the, you know what? Especially those early ones that were just uncovered. Should I take a moment to walk through this list of records and eras and all that? Yeah, do it. All right, folks, buckle up for another list. Good old fashioned take it away list. Hold, hold on. Let me get some good music started for this. All right. There we go. <laughs> Dig in. The beginnings here, they're a little fuzzy. You have the Wings University Tour in 1972, the Wings Over Europe Tour, also in 72, and the Wings 1973 UK Tour. So this is all before the Wings Over the World Tour in 75, and the 75-76 stuff is what we know as Wings Over America. Now, this early material has just been uncovered in the... Red Rose Speedway, Wings Wildlife, box set era. And Bruce McMouse fell out of this. So, you know, as you know, I went and saw it in the theater with Paul Kaminsky. Chris, you've seen it. Some of that's, wow. Some of this... We talked about it with Denny, but it was a huge revelation to me to see them live. Yeah. Like that. yeah. So we'll come back to that in a second. 
So then you have the James Paul McCartney TV special. Special is probably the word you'd use for it. There's the one-hand clapping material that's right around the Band on the Run era. Then, you know, as I said, Wings Over Europe, Wings Over America. Then there's the 1979 era Wings material, which, is there a name for this tour? The Wings 79 tour, something like that? It's, it's the Back to the Egg tour. I think of it as a last flight tour, but I think that's just the name of a bootleg. Right. And then there's the concert for the people of Campuchea, the Prince's Trust Show. Now you're skipping five, six, seven years there in 86. The Put It There film, which we saw during the Flowers in the Dirt era episode. That's all the documentary stuff we discussed. Then there's that big brick of a live record, Tripping the Live Fantastic. I remember seeing that thing in record stores everywhere. We'll come back to that. There's a bunch of singles. There's a lot of material there. Then a year later, he follows it up with Unplugged, which at the time was a relatively new show. Pretty cool, that one. Yeah. Paul is Live, 93. There's a live film called Moving On. Then you have McCartney Live at the Cavern in 99. Then there's a PETA concert in 2001 we'll touch on. Then you have Back in the U.S. and Back in the World. Somewhere in there they do the concert for George, which you see an appearance from Paul at. Yes. We discussed Chaos and Creation at Abbey Road and all the variations of that. That's 2005. Also in 2005, McCartney plays Red Square, historical concert. 2006, that's the secret show at Amoeba Records in Los Angeles. It comes out as either Amoeba's Secret, the EP, or Live in Los Angeles. That's the full record, but that doesn't show up until 2007. You have Paul at the Electric Ballroom. In 2007. Oop, I missed one. The Space Within Us in 2006. So there's a lot of stuff happening right around that era. Then 2009, Good Evening New York City. Goes from LA to New York. That's a DVD also with some bonus material. Live at the White House in 2010. Paul does the last show at Shea in 2010. Billy Joel shows up for that. iTunes Live from Capitol Studios. That's 2012. I mean, I can't believe how long this... I'm not even done yet. The 12-12-12 concert in 2012. There's all the live material from the new album a year or so later. And then there's all of this material from recent. The Spotify singles, Abbey Road Sessions, and he also played Grand Central Station last year, 2018. So this is... How many songs are on this? Like 500 we've got on this yeah, list here? Yeah, we are here. not going to be covering all that <laughs> today. <So yeah. laughs> Please forgive us in advance. I don't even know if you want to hear about 500. I mean, maybe some of you do. 500 songs, but yeah. What do you think of that, Ursa? Well, what's amazing is that it's documented, for one thing. You know, I bet you there are a lot of artists who've played that many shows, but... All of this stuff having been recorded and documented that way, it's a remarkable live oeuvre, you know? Yes. It's unbelievable. I mean, I'll be honest with you, and I guess you all as well. I remember being a kid looking at some of these live records and 
maybe this is just how I used to buy CDs before you could just get music because it was ubiquitous. You could just get everywhere now. You'd look at the track list on the back and you go, eh, do I have all these songs? Yeah, well, I, I mean, these are half of these are Beatles songs and I haven't heard this one song. I don't think I'm going to buy Paul is Live for Robbie's bit, Thanks Chet, you know? Mm-hmm. That, that sort of thing. Right. And that was how I viewed it at the time as well. So my parents go to a lot of live Paul McCartney shows or, or did for a while. And as souvenirs, like you said earlier, as concert souvenirs, they would pick up these live sets. I'd rip a few songs from them and be content. Yeah. Yeah. I had Paul is live probably somewhere in like 95 or six or seven. There's concert footage with either the 89, 90 or the 93 tour. I've seen all of that. We've, you know, we've touched on all of this material already in the show. That's right. Yeah. In fact, there'll be a few times today that we'll refer you to other episodes. Right. And I remember thinking it was great, but Paul just seemed so old. Yeah. <laughs> you know, even when he was in his 50s, but that's because I was a kid. Yeah. And I'm relating to the young McCartney in the Beatles because he's he was still older than me at the time in the 60s, if that makes sense. Sure. I'm looking up to the younger McCartney. Right. And then he's like, but that guy's as old as my dad. And... I go back to these late 80s, early 90s, even some of the stuff from the early 2000s, and I'm like, wow, Paul is in great shape. Vocally, he's in good spirits. It's, mm-hmm. it's very impressive. Sometimes, as we'll get into later, he sounds better in the live shows than he did on the records from the same time. Yeah. 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 Like his live versions at least have better vocals in some cases than we heard on the records. Right. So tell me about the times you've seen Paul live. I saw Paul McCartney. It was the 2001-2002 eras, the United Center in Chicago. That was the first time I saw Paul. So that's Driving Rain. That was the Driving Rain tour. Okay. And, you know, you're so far away, or at least I was. But he's still, you can still see the guy, he's there on the stage and he's singing all these songs and he's singing them live and it's, there's such an energy in the audience. I almost remember every single moment from that show, including when people stood up and went to get drinks when he started playing Your Loving Flame uh-huh. Uh-huh. and things like that. Yeah. I think the thing that knocked my socks off the most that first show was the, the encores where he's singing Lady Madonna and 
doing all these Beatles medleys. It's oh. the first time, you know, you're like, wow, that's a Beatle doing that. And then I've seen him two other times. I saw him in 2006. Same place, a little closer. He's playing too many people. He's playing a couple solo cuts, and that just blew me away. Mm-hmm. And the last time I saw him, I hate to say this, was 2011, which is getting to be almost 10 years ago at Yankee Stadium. And that was one of the most special experiences I've ever had. I was on the, on the field. Wow. Did you play Junior's Farm? Mm-hmm. I mean, this may sound insane, but he's singing Dance Tonight, and he was doing something special with it. He was like uh-huh. messing with the melody. Uh-huh. And I had one of those moments where I was like, wait, that's Paul McCartney. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, at, that, at this point, he's, he's, it's almost like a musical or, or a, it's just a well-rehearsed show. So it's, they're kind of going through the paces, but when he's playing a newer song and changing it up a bit, it's loose. And you're like, oh, yeah, I'm at a rock and roll concert, not a musical. What about yourself? Yeah, I've seen him four times, and it was really fun to look up the exact dates on these. So I can kind of relate it to the the album release and everything. And I've actually got two of the programs. I don't have all four programs. I don't know why. But yeah, here are my shows. Raleigh, North Carolina, July 22nd, 1990 at Carter Finley. That would, of course, be Flowers in the Dirt. Mm. The show where he was opening with Figure of Eight and everything. I went with my parents and some aunts and uncles and cousins, but a friend of mine was there with his mom at the same show, and we weren't sitting close to each other. So we both shared this amazing experience of seeing Paul McCartney forget the words to yesterday. How about that? (laughs) That's pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah, he just kind of blanked in the middle of it, made a little face and um, like, oops, and then got right back on track. He was fine. He's played these songs so many times he's probably thinking about something else at that moment and goes into the wrong verse, you know, can't remember the next verse. But yeah, that was pretty cool. And then saw him again, October 19th, 2005 at United Center here in Chicago. That would have been Chaos and Creation. That's probably the same tour you're talking about from 2006 because he played too many people and that was a big going to the bathroom song. And for me, it was like, I can't believe he's playing too many people live. Too many people, yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited, you know. In the United Center. Yeah. But he was doing the songs from Chaos, which is cool. In fact, he did quite a few songs from Chaos. He must have felt pretty good about that album. Let's see. Saw him again August 1st, 2011, Wrigley Field here in Chicago. That was the On the Run tour. And that's when he was still playing some Electric Argument stuff, like Sing the Changes. Right. But at that point, the emphasis on the new material, the difference between 90 and 2005 and 2011 and 2013, the other two shows, by 2011, he's playing one or two recent songs. Everything else is legacy material Mm -hmm. for both of those shows. So the last one was July 16th, 2013 at Miller Park in Milwaukee. That was the Out There tour. And that had really become full scale, the Disney Paul McCartney show, you know? Disney, that's a great way to say it. Yeah, I did sort of get to see him a little bit up close, though, because I happened to be standing way off on the side of the bleachers near a gate. And I'll be damned if Paul McCartney didn't come through that gate on a golf cart. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, 
and he flew right by. It was a flash, but yeah, pretty amazing. But I want to say there was a very different tone to the 1990 show where it still had that feeling of Paul McCartney has a new album out and he's promoting it. And that's less and less with each one of these shows. I would argue that that's like the last, I'm going to get killed for that. Flowers of Dirt, that's like the last really good one before that this different era that right. he was in. Right. Maybe not, I mean, Chaos, like you, you could say that's a really good record. Sure, but sure. When, you, when you think of Paul McCartney, the solo artist, he, I, he's just not that anymore. He's a brand. He's an icon. Yeah. When the Hoffner came back, that's when that era was over. <laughs> well, we got to go see him, I mean, I hope a few more times. And when I go away, I know my heart can stay with my love. It's understood. It's in the hands of my love. And my love does it go. Well, I thought we'd maybe talk a little bit about my love. Yes, right. I call this next segment my love through the years. <laughs> and I'll give you a bit of a medley here in the in the background as we talk, go through these, and we won't go through them too extensively, but I thought it'd be interesting to pick one song and kind of trace it through various live incarnations. Mm-hmm. And you know, we're looking at such a long period of time here, several decades. It's interesting to see what happens, you know, with a song like that played live over three, yeah. three, four decades. So with My Love, it interests me because of some of the high notes. He has a, a high A in that song that we talk about it on the Red Rose Speedway episode. But it's not just that it's a, a high note. It's so elegantly and seemingly effortlessly sung. Yeah in those early incarnations that I've always been very curious to see, would he keep doing it in the same key? Would he keep going up there and smacking that high A on an awkward syllable? And in fact, yes, <laughs> he is still doing it in F major. So as far as I can tell, he's not giving in on the dropping the stuff down a few keys like so many artists do. The old good, the high good with, what is the two O's with... Is it an umlaut or some kind of line above it? The ooh. ooh yeah, good. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, it's a bad syllable to sing on your big high note. Good, where your throat's kind of constricted. You want ah, you know, or ah. Yeah. You don't want ooh. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's tricky. So let's go through these. We can just say a little bit maybe about each one insofar as we both looked at them. But yeah. I looked at the following ones, the ICA rehearsals from February 1972. That's on the Wings Wildlife bonus DVD. Did you get a chance to check that one out? Yes. What'd you, what'd you think of that? It's a rehearsal, and clearly the song is, like, brand new. Yeah, it's good. It's a little rough. More than a he's, little rough. He's, yeah, he's almost... Well, he's not almost not. He's not hitting the notes like he does on the studio recording, which is live. We've discussed that. Mm-hmm. Live with an orchestra. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you think of that? I found it really interesting because 
the band, they're playing it a little bit more up-tempo than later versions would be. Yeah. And with a slight country vibe. Right. Yeah. You know, if you think about the stuff he was doing at the time, he was doing a lot of country kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. This ends up being a kind of slick, urbane, you know, top 40 type thing, not a country type track. Right. But there are a few things in here that interested me. The harmonies aren't worked out yet. And Linda is offering these pretty dreadful call and response things. And <laughs> kind of she's kind of and she's kind of poking around for notes to harmonize, but it, it's not really working yet. Here's a really nerdy observation I made that it'll come up one more time in this segment. That in the chorus, instead of whoa, 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 it's whoa, it's whoa. Instead of whoa, 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 with a W on each one. Hmm. Yeah. I think it's a little easier to sing whoa than to sing whoa, 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 than to emphasize whoa, each one. Yeah. But the whoa, whoa, whoa is really the essence of that, of that part of the song. You know, the way he really works the W. So it's interesting to note that initially it's not whoa, whoa, whoa. He's not putting a whoa on every syllable. I feel like no. I sound like a maniac right now, but okay. So well, you are a Mac maniac, yeah. whatever we call it. But I'm, I'm, I'm locked right into what you're saying. Keep rolling with this. All right. So I listened to Wings Over Europe version this morning. That's 72. And presumably that's what they're rehearsing for in the ICA rehearsals. And I found it closer to the ICA version than to later versions. Mm. He is on Whoa, Whoa, Whoa by now, and they have got some of the harmonies worked out, but she's still doing some call and response that they nixed later. Yeah. Oh, and that one's kind of tough to listen to. That's Live at the Hague, and I noticed that for a certain segment of the Live at the Hague show, the guitar, one of the guitars is pretty badly out of tune. Yes, that is true. I found it hard to get past. Then there's the video, the My Love video. And I don't know if you've watched it lately, but it has a different vocal from the studio record. 
Oh, no, I didn't. Hmm. It seems to be the studio record with either an alternate take or they just let him sing it there while they were making the video or something. Wow. Yeah, it sounds similar to the record, but much sloppier. So I'm not sure what happened there. In terms of his tone control, he's, he's right there with the record. I'm just saying that the notes aren't as clear and he sounds a little less invested. I yeah, just wonder what's going on there. Yeah, who knows? When I go away, I know my heart can stay with my love. It's understood. It's in the hands of my love. My love does it good. Then you get to the record itself, which we've already talked about. And as you said, he's singing that live with the orchestra. And it's, I think, maybe his most spectacular vocal on record. Then we get to the James Paul McCartney TV special version. And it's unreal. I don't know if they did a few takes. I mean, they are there with a studio audience. So I don't know if they just did it a few times and picked the best one, but it's as good as the studio record. Yeah, yeah, it is. I don't see how that can even be, but it's as good. He sounds just as crisp and clean and all the high notes are perfect and he sounds comfortable. Yeah, so he's got the whoa, whoa, whoa going on on that one. That's pretty much the studio version. It's in the hands of my love And my love Then we get to Wings Over America. Now, you're a big fan of Wings Over America. What do you think about the My Love on that? I think it's good. I think some of the Wings Over America versions are just as good as the studio versions. There's only a couple that are better than the studio versions. Mm. I think the recording in the studio or that James McCartney, that's the best My Love. I don't think Those are the best, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think the Wings Over America version trumps it. So he's playing the single for the audience. I noticed that a general feature of his singing in Wings Over America is a lot of Scratchy Paul. Yes. And he's even incorporating Scratchy Paul on this version of My Love. Yeah, he is. I found that quite interesting. It's in the hands of my love And my love It's really loose. 
it's not as precise as the James Paul McCartney version. I noticed that the solo here, I guess that's Jimmy, uh, retains the original solo. Yeah, that's still Jimmy on tour with them. He's still with them for a bit longer. Right. He's adapted the original Henry solo and is pretty much keeping it with a few little flourishes. So that solo's like now part of the song, right? Yeah. All right, then there's a big gap here, and we get to Paul is live. And here he brings back, inexplicably, whoa, 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 goes away here. Right. 1993, for no apparent reason, he's doing whoa. It's in my hands my band sounds really good here. It's a pretty energetic version of My Love. Sounds a bit anthemic. The guitar solo retains the framework from the original, but has quite a few more flourishes. I have two more for you here. Back in the U.S., that sounds ham-fisted. There's some good falsetto, and he's belting the high notes. In fact, on Paul is Live and back in the U.S., he's belting the high notes, it's, it's worth noting that if you listen to the original 1973 versions, that's neither a head voice nor a belt he's doing on those high A's. Yeah. He's doing a soft chest voice. It's just incredible. It really is. It really is incredible. Yeah. So anyway, he's belting them by the time you get to Paula's Live. Whoa, whoa, whoa comes back on the back in the U.S. version, by the way. get to Good Evening New York City. It's the last one I looked at. And his voice is shot. He does have one crazy high falsetto note at one point. I will feature that here. And he's back to whoa, whoa, whoa. So that didn't stick from Paul is Live. Mm. But to me, this is kind of harsh to listen to, the Good Evening New York version. A lot of this later stuff can be like that. I mean, even that, that was 10 years ago. From I know when we're recording this, I know, and I don't know—is he still playing "My Love"? I think he is sometimes. Well, that's defiant. <laughs> <laughs> don't ever ask me why.
that is an incredibly detailed look into one song through the years. And how many artists can you really do that with? Maybe that's the point. I guess you can do it with Sinatra. It's similar when you get into the last third of it, where it's not as much fun to listen to because his voices change so much. I'd love to go through the Sinatra stuff and find out when he starts saying Jack in all those songs. Yeah, Jack starts creeping in, I want to say, in the early 60s, where it's still a little cool. But by the time, the one you're thinking about in his version of something, then it's transformed into a, I don't even get this shit I'm singing right now, Jack. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Why am I singing this? No, I don't know. Stick around, Jack. It might show. I don't know. No, I don't know. Just that cool. I, I love that. I'm going to start saying Jack just in my I normal do. day. I do today. say Jack a lot. Yeah. All right, Jack. <laughs> Thanks for the coffee, Jack. Here's your tip. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Yeah, because usually you use Jack to indicate that you hold someone in somewhat low regard, but he's using it there. You stick around, Jack, it might show. Like, why are you calling the person you're addressing this song to Jack, like derisively? (laughs) It's like when, it's like when Jack Nicholson, I didn't even mean to say that, uh, calls everybody pal. Hey, pal. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I think we're officially on a tangent. This is what they call a tangent in the business. There are a few other songs like this, and we don't have to go into the same depth, but you have Maybe I'm Amazed, right? Yeah. He's been doing that since the beginning. And that's a crowd favorite. That's almost up there with Hey Jude, I think. Right. And it was up until recently where he just can't sing in it. He can't hit those notes anymore. Yeah. Like, why are you trying to sing those, what are they, high Ds well, or something? And that's insane. The, yeah, they are. And that's the ultimate, like, rapidly going back and forth between shredding and smooth falsetto song. Yeah. Yeah. It's tricky to do that now, I guess. I saw him do it on SNL. This would have been in the last five years. And it was, I mean, I hate to say this, just terrible. That said, the live version on Wings Over America is as good, if not maybe a little better than the McCartney version? Wow. Yeah, I, I don't know if I feel quite that way about it. I think the McCartney version is just definitive for me. But I always saw the fact that they released it in 77 as a single. I always thought that was really cool because it deserved to be a single. It is a version that really does it justice. Yeah, I agree. Not too much variation there. The band is always usually good. The guitar, it's not the same as a My Love, right? Where you have to get a high note in a clean voice mm-hmm. with... Maybe I'm amazed he's screaming. Yeah. So you can kind of scream and get away with. Yeah. And you know, I actually am cool with some of the old man Mac of screaming. It's a distinctive sound. It's cool. I love it. Because there's still the notes. It's just the the age you hear. There's a thickness. There's a thickness in it. And then, I mean, he's, well, he's done Jet and Band on the Run, those songs. And I still prefer the 70s versions. I know he still has to do them, Mm -hmm. but there's something to the energy of the yell of Jet on the record in the 70s. And even the old synthesizers, when they try to mimic the old Moogs or whatever they're playing. I know. Sounds canned. He still plays Coming Up, and I believe he still does that, because Lennon 
had praise for it before he was killed. Well, it's a great live song. And let's face it, it got great song. It became famous mainly on the basis of its live version, the Glasgow version. Right, right, right. It's like in its natural habitat for a lot of listeners, I bet, when he plays it live. And there's only one time where there's a variation is that on Tripping the Live Fantastic, where it really is like 80s danced hip hop almost, that track on there. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you've checked that yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost like, wait, what is this? And then it quickly goes back to the original record in his live sets. What does Paul say at the end of the Glasgow coming up? The, the crowd is going, Paul McCartney, boom, 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 boom. And he yeah. says something and it sounds like, yeah, you dumb fish. Like, yeah, you, <laughs> yeah, you dumb fish or yeah, you don't fish or. I don't know. Somebody write in if they've got that. What's he I would saying? love to know what he's saying there. But yeah, that crowd clapback, you're yeah. right. It's something else. Yeah. Kenny Dalglish. Woo! All right, you having a good time? Well, what about the tribute songs, Something and Here Today? He's been doing those for a while. I don't know when they first appeared. Early 2000s. He definitely did it when I saw him the first time. He does it on Back in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, that would have been 2001, 2002. I always loved that song. It's a beautiful song. Yeah, here today, that, I mean, he's been doing that, what, for 20 years now? Yeah, it's, I guess so. It's a quiet McCartney tune, so I haven't noticed much variation on that. The main difference being, of course, that it's just completely solo guitar, no string quartet. Right. And if I said I really knew you well, what would your answer be? If you were here today, Knowing you, you probably laugh and say that we were worlds apart. If you were here today, I like when he does something on the ukulele. I like when he covers George's songs or something. I love that he sings All Things Must Pass on the concert for George. Yeah. Because that's a proper George tribute. I kind of find this something on the ukulele vaguely condescending or something. <laughs> I mean, I like the idea of reimagining like that. That's exactly what I was yeah. talking about earlier, but yeah. it's a reimagining that seems to belittle the song. Yeah. You don't feel that way? I think of the Beatles anthology where they're sitting in somebody's enormous garden. I think it's George's garden. And Paul's on a ukulele and George is on a ukulele. And I think Ringo's just playing his legs or something and they're singing songs yeah maybe paul's trying to touch back to that i get that that's great you know i know that he and george have a whole a whole history with the ukulele and I, and that's why he chose to do that it's just the wrong song to do that with is what i'm saying right right yeah i, I yeah, could yeah, see yeah, a, a yeah. cooler choice of song with something this arrangement on the ukulele seems to it doesn't do justice to the song. Give me peace and love, that song. Oh, that'd be great on the ukulele. That'd be fantastic. Even like, what is life? That'd be kind of rad. Oh, that could be cool, yeah. 
What's Life Without You by My Side on ukulele song? Blow Away? Blow Away would be a very appropriate song with a ukulele. It would be a nice upbeat message, which George would have liked. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. I didn't even think of this. He should just play that song. Yeah. Something in the way she moves Attracts me like no other lover Something in the way she woos me I don't want to leave her now Well, you know I've been leaving now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in a smile she knows That I don't need no other lover Something in a style that shows me He plays Can't Buy Me Love at every show he's ever played. And at this point, this may be controversial also, don't care. Sure. Don't need to hear Can't Buy Me Love again. Sure. All that said, I can't wait to hear I Saw Her Standing There every time it comes on. Maybe it's the bass guitar playing. I like watching Paul play the bass and he still is doing the the dun, 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 that riff that complicated riff he's doing he's not thinking about it and he's playing that little light hoffner something all ties together for me can't buy me love i'm like i don't know where are the rest of the beatles you know one of the problems for me with all these you know version after version of of all these beatles songs and wings songs is that you know when you first discover them you always have the problem that you're going to chew the sugar out of a record you know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. And what happens is, you know, I'm thinking of something like Can't Buy Me Love. Well, yeah, yeah, I love that song, actually. But I am at a point now where I need to take long breaks in between listening to it for me to feel anything. Like the Can't Buy Me Love receptors are just beaten down and they have to, right. they need time to come back for me to get any feeling out of that again. So, yeah. And to hear him play it live is not... It's disappointing because I'm really just, I care about that record. And you're kind of screwing with that record (laughs) by playing it over and over and over live. Yeah, I mean, it is sad to say that, I mean, I can say I'm guilty of this. I bet a lot of you out there are guilty of this. You've played these good songs so many times that you can't listen to them and hear why they're good anymore you can if you take a long break right and then go back into it with a certain mindset but i'm saying that process is really fragile and like doing something like listening to five live versions of can't buy me love in a row is like oh really works against that getting that magic back you know yeah absolutely a hundred percent definitely and you know i can't remember playing hello goodbye not over and over and over like an insane person, but you know, I'm trying to learn the piano part. I'll play it. Okay. You're trying to learn the bass guitar part. You'll play it. And seeing that video of them in the Sgt. Pepper suits and just thinking like, is there a better song in the whole world <laughs> than Hello Goodbye? And then he opens up one of these live shows I've seen with that. Comes out, bah, bah, big guitar note, singing Hello Goodbye. Yeah. But I really haven't thought about Hello Goodbye in a while. Good. Because take a little yeah, more I, time. I need another five to ten years. Yeah, and when you do listen to it, make it special. Get out a nice LP of it. Have a nice drink and 
really make it count. Anyway, that's how I try to manage it. I love that. That's a really good idea. So moving on. Wings over Europe. So this is new for me. In fact, it's new for everybody, I guess. Yes. Now, I've heard recordings of Wings from roughly this period. But as I said earlier, I'm not a huge live recordings guy, so I had never paid much attention to them. When you and I talked to Denny about Bruce McMouse, yeah. I was really excited about what I'd seen on Bruce McMouse. Not so much the animated bits... <laughs> But 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 the live playing bits, wow. I just had no hey, idea. Oh my god, wings is playing it. Oh yeah, man. <laughs> what is happening right now? Well <laughs> we went into voice actor mode. <laughs> well Bruce is here. Uh, oh baby, oh yeah, Bruce McMouse. <laughs> yeah. I just love that voice. I do it all the time now <laughs> to people and it scares the hell out of them. They're like, What are you doing? I'm like, Oh, have you seen Paul McCartney, and I, and I realize what I'm saying, and I sound insane. I'm like, I oh, don't worry about it, you know. <laughs> well, well, I guess what I'm saying is that until I saw the Bruce McMouse DVD, I had no idea what a tight band they were in '72. Me neither, man. You know, so reviewing Wings Over Europe was that same experience again, where I'm thinking, yeah. At times, this is a tighter band, actually, than the Wings Over America Completely band. agree. Just in terms of tightness, there's a precision, there's a clarity to the arrangements and to the way they're playing. And Paul sounds amazing. Paul sounds so good on Wings Over Europe. This was one of the real delights of this review process, listening to this. Yeah. Yeah. And quick, I mean, quick shout out to John Colgrave. You know, thank you again. I had never heard this material, and you put it on, and it sounds like it was recorded yesterday. Sounds really clean. It's so clean. The energy is way up, and it brought back a few of these songs that, for me, were dead. Yeah. Like Wildlife? Yeah. It is a fun Wildlife. It's like an expanded Wildlife. Oh, It changed man. the arrangement, and <laughs> it's dark. I was like, okay, I get it. Goofy lyrics, whatever aside, when he's playing that bass and ripping his voice in that Lucille, I'm down, all those songs, you're like, yeah. wow. Yeah. I, I, okay, now I understand.
know, another cool thing about this Wings Over Europe set is I like to go to shows. I go to a lot of shows with my buddy Adam around town in Chicago here that are, you know, up-and-coming bands, some of them, or maybe not up-and-coming, but they're, they've been around six years, ten years, right? Yeah. And it means that when you go to their show, they're playing their new material, meaning their newest album. They might play you some stuff from the upcoming album. And when they dig into their back catalog, that's still recent, too. And yeah. that's what, what you get on Wings Over Europe. You get to hear Paul McCartney. Exactly. Like sounding like one of those bands where it's like, well, we've got a couple albums worth of stuff here and we'll play a few new things that aren't out yet. And that's just so cool. It's There's none of the legacy stuff yet. By the time you get to Wings Over America, there's legacy stuff. Although I was thinking about that too on Wings Over America that, okay, so he sings Yesterday. That song's only 10 years old at the time. Yeah. That's actually mm-hmm. recent material. So that yeah. is, isn't really legacy material yet. Exactly. No. But yeah, it's just fun to hear young, vital Paul McCartney with a new band playing that band's new stuff. It's great. Yeah, in my head when I listen to it, it's like, oh, this is a new indie band I'm checking out. Have you heard of the Wings? Paul McCartney's Wings? I won't do Bruce Rickness again. But, I mean, (laughs) so... Feel free. Feel free. Have you heard of Paul McCartney's Wings, man? So the high, high, high that they play in this collection is straight. It's not swung. So they either just wrote it or wrote it on the road. I don't know the story. If you, any of you know the story, email us and we'll, we'll talk about it. It's really, 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 really rad. It's just, it sounds like the Bachman Turner Overdrive, you know, taking care of business, all that. And it could be Mark Bolin. You know, because all, all of that music was happening at that time. It's straight uh, I, eights, isn't it? No swing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm listening to it while we're talking. It's just boom, 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 boom. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Wildlife. That one blows me away. I'll submit that as one of mine, too, because it's a song I don't love, and yet it's just fun to hear him going for it on a song like that, on such an odd yeah. song like that. And then they've, like I said, the way they've kind of expanded the arrangement and made it kind of even darker. Remark- yeah, it's really remarkable. dark. Yeah. If I had to pick one more, so I'm a sucker for the mess, mm-hmm. and I cannot tell if this version or the version that was released as a B-side mm. on Red Rose Speedway is the one, mm. but I, I really like this one as well, because of the end. There's so much energy on all of these tracks. Yeah. I guess I would go with 1882, because I think this, one oh, might, yeah. Yeah, this might be the best version of that song I've heard yet.
very nice. I think the one we had heard before was Antwerp or something, right? It wasn't yeah. Berlin. This is Berlin. Right. Anyway, this is a, maybe it's just the remixing. I don't know, but it, it's really, really a great sounding little, you could release this or put it on an album easily as I guess they had planned to do at one point. Yeah. So that one was really cool. Also hearing Give Ireland Back to the Irish, like when it's still out as a single, again, maybe there's just some some aspect to the history of that, that that's appealing to me. But the idea that they're singing that and it's like their new single, that's really cool. It's really cool. They sing it great. There's one little fuck up in that, which is that he sings the opening chorus at the higher octave instead of coming in with the lower octave first. So he sings the first chorus in the higher octave, then goes back down to the lower octave for the verses. But otherwise, it's great. Otherwise, yeah. Really, really great. Oh, and it's really cool to hear Soily in this version too. That's also Berlin. Berlin must have been a good show, huh? (laughs) Sounds like it. Because it seems like Soily and 1882 both sound really good from that show. And Smile Away too is from that show, which is a really great sounding... Really great. That and Eat at Home. And you're oh, getting yeah. RAM material? Come yeah. on. <laughs> it's great. It's great. So they did do Say You Don't Mind in this era, but it doesn't appear on the record. Maybe that's a rights issue. I, I don't know. But I bet that that was rip-roaring. Yeah, that would be fun to hear. It's nice that I Would Only Smile is on here. It's a pretty good version. Yeah. So somewhere after Band on the Run... Paul McCartney and Wings go into the studio and they do, it's live recordings. There's the unreleased song, One Hand Clapping, which is an instrumental. You have Jet, Junior's Farm. You can look this track list up. But the special part of this collection is this piano medley Paul does, where he sings Suicide, Let's Love, Sitting at the Piano, All of You, I'll Give You a Ring. And he closes the show with Babyface. Yeah. And it's just, it's just simple as that. It's really fucking cool. And it's God. unedited, right? It really is just him playing through yes. all of that stuff. Because he never, I mean, there's not even the slightest hesitation or, I mean, it's a, a beautiful little performance. Yeah, it's, you know, is it live? Is it traditionally live? No. Is it Paul at or near the peak of his superpowers performing songs we really haven't heard yeah yeah. yes it is it is quite interesting yeah well that's one hand clapping came out in the band on the run set so you can see the video and that should be in there yeah go check that out we'll see all of you hard and loving and twine all of you now blowing my mind high I said nobody's letting me by I want someone who's holding my hand in the night time loving me right oh what a sight we'll see all of you hard and loving and twine all of you you're blowing my mind Holding me light All right, all right I love all of you 
So yeah, Wings Over America, that's a mixed bag for some people. And to be clear, we did already talk about that at some length on our Wings at the Speed of Sound episode. So if yes. you want to hear us get into that a bit, we refer you back to, what is that, episode six or seven or something like that? Something like that. Yeah. You know, go back, listen to the archive. I doubt our opinions changed much on it. The only thing I can really say is you gave me the answer and Magneto and Titania Man rock. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In these live formats. Yeah, Magneto and Titanium Man. You know, some of these instances, even I've just seen a face. I prefer these versions to the actual studio recordings of those just because of the energy to them. Interesting. thing i'm almost positive i touched on this when we discussed this material previously mccartney and his wife linda's their backing vocals when the other people are singing the songs are supernatural go now the bridge of time to hide when it's paul and linda backing the band it's just as entertaining to me if they're singing lead vocals i don't know what that's about didn't they do some of those background vocals in the studio you're right about that so that's them back in their dear boy mode Laying it on. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I noticed that too, that the background vocals sounded really nice. But it just proves how good of a voice Paul has, as far as I'm concerned. I actually just had one thing to add to what I said on the Speed of Sound episode, which would be that since that episode, I've gotten the box set. I don't even know if the box set was out when we did that. Yeah. And what a box set. Holy cow. That's really the crowning achievement of the archive box sets. It's really huge and includes so many interesting supplemental materials, recreated tickets and programs. And it's a lot like the Ram one, but gosh, twice the size or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. As you would imagine, a lot of great photographs. Yeah. Very good. I love that with the, it is a tour itinerary Mm -hmm. in there. Yeah. Some set lists, I believe. label would release. Yeah. Yeah. The photos and some drawings. It's really, really cool. There's an alternate set list that Paul Sally sent to me, and it actually ties a little bit into the James Paul McCartney TV show. So this alternate set list, I'm just going to read through this real quick. So it's Venus and Mars, Rock Show, Jet, Let Me Roll It, Spirits of Ancient Egypt. Then they do Little Woman Love and Sea Moon, right? Mm -hmm. Which is exactly what... Those two little songs, they did that in the James Paul McCartney special. Yeah, that's right. Right before My Love, they do those two and then go into My Love. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'm Amazed, Lady Madonna, Long and Winding Road, Live and Let Die, Picasso's Last Words, Richard Corey, Bluebird, I've Seen a Face, Blackbird, Yesterday, You Gave Me the Answer, Magneto and Titanium Man. Basically, the rest of the set is exactly Wings Over America. But I couldn't even possibly imagine a Wings Over America where you get little woman love on it. Yeah, isn't that interesting? To hear, yeah. to hear that band do that, too. You know?
then after Wings Over America, you know, Wings makes a few more records, and they come back on tour in 79. And now this, oh my goodness, I went through this stuff too. It's so cool. Yeah. It's a big bummer to me that Wings broke up because of the whole prison thing. Yeah. Because even these recordings we have, which are not official recordings, so they haven't been properly mixed or mastered are awesome and we got coming up the, mm. one of the official number one singles is the live version yeah the glass cover. from yeah, this era yeah just looking at the set list here i mean this is an unusual it's so weird man unusual list i mean it's very strange to my eyes to see things like good night tonight wonderful christmas time arrow through me spin it on old siam sir Getting closer again and again and again. Hot as sun. (laughs) Apparently hot as sun. Yeah, and he's apparently, what, opening the show with Got to Get You Into My Life? Yeah. That's a pretty slick move, the way he does it, too, with the little pseudo-classical ensemble and then Mm -hmm. goes goes into the horn break at the beginning. Getting closer. Even Cook of the House. I didn't know that existed. Yeah, I didn't know. They really did not know. Yeah, that's really interesting. Highlights for you in this batch. Anytime I can hear Getting Closer performed live, Mm. I'm a very happy man. I couldn't even believe it. I'm like, wow, this is really, really good. Say you don't love you, my salamander. Good night tonight? And he starts with the little, I don't know what he calls him, some robot or computer thing. And he's like, oh, my little computer robot friend. It's a drum machine. And then and then it comes on and then he just hit Paul McCartney's bass playing on this tour. For those of you who can see, this little friend here who's come on stage is uh, his little robot friend of ours here. We call it, his name's Robbo. All right? <laughs> and... Uh, what he does, like, is he keeps the time during the next song we do, you know, he keeps the rhythm. And he's, he's one of these computer jobs, you know, you've got to be very careful with them, you know what I mean? So, uh, I'm just going to give him a little bit of delicate tuning, you know, just very fine tuning these jobs are. Just a minute, delicate tuning.
another interesting choice here I thought was Every Night, which we're going to come back to that in a bit, but it's not a given that he's going to do Every Night live. And I've had enough. That's a pretty interesting choice. Really cool. Sounds good, too. This is a really good use of of his rock voice here. A little more energy than on the record. You know, the record sounds kind of muffled and subdued, and it's kind of kind of cool to hear this full-out version of I've Had Enough. Yeah, that was one of them for me. That's better than the studio version. Even this bootleg we have, you know, it's, it's really cool. We also have the songs from the concerts for the people of Campuchea, and these sound a lot like Last Flight, but even better. Yes. Like, they're even more polished. Like, there's a little bit of sloppiness on the Last Flight show, but the Campuchea show seems to be pretty much, at least as clean and tight as this incarnation of Wings ever got. Yeah. Well, you also have the Rockestra stuff from that show. That's right, yeah. The Rockestra theme and I mean, a few other tracks, but that big version of Lucille. He loves that song, man. He loves Little Richard. Well, Lucille, he don't do your sister well. Lucille, he don't do your sister well. This morning, the sea was not in sight. And my friend, the body, but I already put that. You see, uh, let's go back where you belong. Speak it to you, baby. You don't leave me alone. Right, so from there, Paul spends some time away from the limelight because, I mean, obviously, what happened to John Lennon in 1980. So he comes up again. For the Prince's Trust Show in 1986. And I actually really like this. Yeah. So this is the Wembley Arena, 20th June, 1986. And it's the first 10 years of the Prince's Trust, right? So it was a who's who of music. George Michael was there, Tina Turner, Elton John, Rod Stewart. Paul sings Get Back, Long Tall Sally, and I saw her standing there. And it's just rad. And this is what? Press to play era? Pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, the handful of television spots that I saw for Press to Play, he actually was in pretty good form. Yes, the voice is still there. Yeah. The energy's still there. Yeah. From there, you have put it there. September 89, this came out. It's concert footage from that Flowers in the Dirt tour. Sea Moon, My Brave Face, Rough Ride, the whole track list is out there somewhere. This is, this is pretty good. I like it. This is basically Trip in the Live era stuff, right? Yeah, like a proto Trip in the Live. They are figuring it out. Mm-hmm. So as we're getting into Trip in the Live Fantastic, 
the word homogenized comes to mind. And not in a negative way. I mean that with all due respect. Paul, <laughs> I mean, to say he's established himself at this point is a bit of an understatement, right? Yeah. So <laughs> he has this touring band and he is playing to a mass general audience because he's filling arenas multiple nights in the same city, basically every tour here on out. And that's because of the CD, the digital revolution. Young people are rediscovering this music every year. And it still is going on now and will continue on for quite some time. So what Mercer and I are going to do is pick highlights to pay attention to throughout this era until present day. And I will start with the Strawberry Fields Forever Help Give Peace a Chance single that came out around this era hmm. in tribute to John Lennon. And in, in, in he's talking about burying the hatchet, basically, when he's introducing this song. I think this is pretty cool. Can I tell you what? We've learned up a little special thing, especially for Liverpool here. And maybe you're going to help us out with it and sing along with it if you know the words. This is just a little tribute to someone we love dearly. hear Paul singing a John song. And when do you hear Paul singing Strawberry Fields Forever? Or even Help? And nailing it and doing a great job with it. Right. That's interesting. And it was the 50th anniversary of John Lennon's birth. So he would have been 50 years old. And he's putting the Barneys, you know, that's the British slang for fights. Plenty of Barneys they had, apparently. He's putting those to rest and he's giving this tribute. And I wish he still did this. Pick a John Lennon song, yeah. some obscure thing, and just do it. Why not? Yeah. Intuition. Sing Intuition from Mind Games. <laughs> Sing Mind I Games. just pulled that out, Sing? Of, out of nowhere. But yeah. Meet City. I don't know. This is pretty interesting because it sounds like a, it's like a John Paul hybrid thing singing it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, cause he's doing some John affectations and even some Johnish facial expressions in the video, but 
singing it like Paul at the same time, which doesn't sound weird because it is the Beatles after all. And yeah, it's it's interesting. It's really cool. Anything from this era that you like? Yeah, I was going to mention from Tripping the Live Fantastic, the uh, Ebony and Ivory on there. Which Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> it's quite interesting. It's Hamish singing the Stevie Wonder part and the harmonies. And Hamish sounds really good doing this. And I noticed this thing with Paul. He does it at the White House version of Ebony and Ivory, too, where he slips right back into his 1982 mannerisms and tone of voice and everything. Yeah. Like it's a, like Ebony and Ivory singing that is a character from 1982, and he goes right That's, back into it. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I found that pretty fascinating to listen to, and I thought Hamish sang the hell out of it, as Hamish does. We all know that people are the same wherever you go. There is good and bad in everyone. We learn to live when we learn to give each other what we need to survive. Together So we just gave you an Ebony and Ivory and Hamish, two of our most controversial... There you go. Boy, talk about a peace offering. We finally tied it all together and closed the loop. You know, I was going to say just overall about the Trip in the Live fantastic set, because I do have some other choices I'll get to later from that set. Not as much scratchy Paul on that set. No. Pretty clean, clear voice throughout it. Except for Band on the Run, which I find hard to listen to. Ah, those are some pretty high notes. Are like high Bs or something like that. Yeah, but it's better later. Yeah, it's, it's, oh, a, it's lot, just, a lot of this tour. Well, it sounds just, like he's warming up again. Well, that's a good point. He was kind of warming up again. Mm-hmm. But I noticed just as a stylistic choice, he wasn't using as much scratchy. Yeah, that's right. How about you? What else you got? I mean, I mentioned it earlier. I think it just requires. A bit of attention. This version of coming up is insane because you know most of these are exactly like the original recordings, except coming up, it's like a Ronald Reagan era <laughs> version of the song. You know, weird, very weird. But that was it. Well, I was going to mention from Paul is live, Hotel in Benidorm, and a fine day. Oh yeah, uh, there's sound checks, of course. They're mm-hmm. sound check improvisations, but as always with these things, just interesting to, to hear how Paul's mind works, you know, and to hear a little bit of the process of him writing a song. And so there he is jamming on some idea and a fine day. That one's rather long. <laughs> it's kind of a meditation, <laughs> but I thought those were interesting. Those are kind of McCartney songs that you can find on the Paul is live set, unreleased songs of a sort. Probably they're not that far from some of what you get from the Rude Studio demos, right? Yes. Yeah. You get a live version of Biker Like an Icon if you want that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Paul is live. And one interesting little fact from the Moving On film, the live version of Biker Like an Icon is the B-side to the original single. And it's from the Moving On film. It's not the same version as the Paul is live version. Oh, interesting. So if you're really, really interested in that type of minutia, there you go. Yeah. Right? I mean, I actually have that CD and I don't care for it. Yeah. Because it's more of tripping the live. Yeah, but there's just one interesting thing on there, along with those two sound checks, is the performance of Hope of Deliverance. Oh, yeah. Which is mm-hmm. awfully polished. Wow. I mean, it's a perfect recreation of the record. It's not a reimagining or anything, but it's just, it's remarkable how much it sounds like the record. They're a damn polished band. Very, very polished by this point. And that's its only fault, that whole record, where you're like, yep, this is very good. Yeah. Very great. And that's to my point earlier. I'm like, okay, well, this is a tour souvenir for the people that were there. Yeah. And a time capsule. You know, you want to hear specifically McCartney 93? Wonder no longer. There it is. Live from the Cavern, which I remember watching online. At least I think I do, unless I made that up. And it's one of those false memories that I've read about. Where he's just doing all of the songs from Run Devil Run. Except for Run Devil Run, which would have been my favorite <laughs> song <laughs> from that set. But it's good. It's, it's, it's worth a spin if you like that record, which I really, really, really do. He does play one of the B-sides that didn't make it to the record, a song called Fabulous, huh. which is worth That's cool. some attention. Yeah, yeah. If you want to check that out. I was watching the Back in the U.S. DVD, and mm-hmm. I couldn't help but notice 2002, the sudden reappearance of his early 80s hair. <laughs> yeah. like, You're right. All of a sudden, 2002, he's like 1982 Paul McCartney, at least from a distance. <laughs> you know? Not so much up close yeah. to a distance, yeah. Yeah. He's got the short, dark hair again. Yeah, that disc, I really like it a lot. He changes the band. The band is different, right? Yeah. You have Abe Laboreal on drums, Rusty and Brian. Wix is still there. This is the band that he's been together for... Let's call it 20 years yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah, there's a new energy. It's a youthful energy in here. Hello, goodbye, getting better. That's the first appearance of getting better live. He makes a little speech about it. He says, This is a song that we did in the studio a long time ago, and I've never done it live until now. How cool is that? Yeah. I think that's and pretty I cool. And I thought it was a great version. I thought they really played with a lot of spirit. Yeah, it's a really, really good version. And I don't mind hearing all those Driving Rain songs live because they sound better than the album version, because he can sing them. Yeah, that's a, a very good point. His voice is way better on that Back in the U.S. disc than on Driving Rain. And, you know, we did observe that he sounds good on Freedom, which was live. Right. So it does seem as if, you know, his voice was not in such bad shape overall. It just, he had a bad streak while recording the album. But yeah, hearing the Driving Rain songs 
on the Back in the U.S. disc is actually quite a treat because he sings them much better, for the most part, than on the record. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah. I tried to get over you I tried to find something new But all I could ever do was fill my time with thoughts of you I tried to go somewhere old To search for my father gold But all I could ever Quick aside about the video for Back in the U.S. A lot of celebs, celebrities yes. left and right in the audience. It was funny. Jack Nicholson, yeah. Michael Douglas, I forget who all. A lot of right, lot all of the big time celebrities coming to kiss the ring. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to go see the McCartney <laughs> show, and you're like, wait, yeah. he really is the man. Paul is the guy. You have other favorites from this period? Favorites? I don't know. I, I actually will still pull this disc out. Favorites is the wrong word. Do you have other interesting show and tell from this period? In 2003, when they put out Back in the World, you get a live version of Calico Skies mm. with the marching drums and all that. I don't know that performance, but I know that version of Calico Skies because it's on Good Evening New York City, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that is cool. Not as intimate, though, and sweet as the pure acoustic version, but it it's a neat alternate. I think what is cool about that is it acknowledges that that song is canon. It's in between Here, There, and Everywhere and Michelle. Hey, that's yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah, where you get a later era song and it made it all to the top. Because I really do like Calico Skies oh, a lot. Oh, me too. Yeah, I think that's one that deserves it. It was written that I would love you. just one more song to bring which is the amoeba secret version of that was me yes that whole set seems to have some great energy but that's a good example of what i was mentioning earlier of that thick intense old man maca shredding because mm. he shreds really beautifully in that song and so I, that one's worth checking out i maybe i'll play a little bit of that one from amoeba's secret
much about the story of Amoeba's Secret? Yeah, I do. A buddy of mine, Chris Price, was there. No kidding. And he told me the whole story. Yeah, wow. so it was a, more or less an unannounced secret gig at Amoeba Records that closed it down. And they played a super long set in the middle of the day. And that was it. It was to promote, what would that have been? Memory Almost Full? Yeah, you know, they were playing That Was Me and Mama Only Knows. Well, one live album from this period that we really did want to pause on a little bit longer is Unplugged from 1991. This thing's really great. This is one of the great pleasures of reviewing for this episode. Part of it is the recording geek in me, or the, the audio geek in me, because it really is acoustic. They are really are playing all acoustic instruments. Yeah. And Jeff Emmerich recorded this, so he mic'd them all up. And I just think it sounds beautiful. I love that sound of, of mic'd acoustic instruments, and Jeff mm-hmm. Emmerich did a great job with it. So He really did, yeah. Yeah, so just on an audio level, this is a really fun record to listen to. And it's an unusual live record in that way, too. You, if you think about it, there aren't that many shows, at least not by rock stars, where they're 100% unplugged. I just think that's a beautiful sound. And so that's a lot of the appeal for me. Even the bass is an acoustic bass guitar played by Hamish. Isn't that something? Yeah, it really is. That would be something. And that's on the record. That's a great version of that song. Three songs from McCartney on there. That's kind of interesting. Every Night is on there. And... Junk makes Junk. its triumphant reappearance. Yeah, in the credits, I guess. It's sort of at the end. Well, there were a lot of songs that didn't make it onto the record. Things We Said Today, Midnight Special, Matchbox, Mean Woman Blues, and The Fool. A few songs that were rehearsed but weren't performed. Mother Nature's Son, Figure of Eight. That would have been cool. Cut Across Shorty, Heartbreak Hotel, Heart of the Country, She's My Baby, and Mrs. Vanderbilt. Mm. Kind of rad. Yeah, that's some and, cool stuff. Yeah, so definitely a fun little record. It was one I always avoided. I'm not really sure why. Huh. Maybe I wasn't ready for the quiet acoustic nature of the album. It's like, well, if I have the official version, why would I listen to this, you know? Yeah, I mean, I guess this is the kind of reimagining that I was talking about earlier. I mean, it's not that the songs are completely recast, but for example, you have this slower, more swinging version of Every Night, which, by the way, gets a real nice reception from the crowd. Mm-hmm. And some beautiful harmonies on that, too. Every night I just want to go out, get out of my head. Every night I don't want to play, get out of my bed.
cool thing in the way the show is put together in that, like, for example, every night is built mainly on an E7 chord. He goes straight out of that into She's a Woman, built on an E7 chord. variations around it but mm-hmm. just like kind of continues on with the e7 into she's a woman yeah and how cool like a, a rockin but acoustic version of she's a woman yes really nice very very cool yeah there's this also slower and swingier uh, version of uh, and i love her it made me think of distractions with an uh, you know the acoustic sound mm. and the yeah slightly latin qualities slightly maybe bossa nova quality that it has One other little observation, you know, there's a version of Blackbird on here. And I don't know if you've listened to it in a while, but there's a bar of 3-8, a single bar of 3-8 that they must have rehearsed or something. It goes like, instead of all your life with a, you know, syncopation, there's one place in the song, in the unplugged version, where it's going like, all your life. Did you hear that? Yes, I could. Okay, so they they drop the beat, and you'd have to rehearse that, at, you know, talk it over and rehearse it a couple times. You wouldn't just naturally drop a beat like that. So it's a cool little like uh, little rhythmic twist that they threw in on on Blackbird there. Yeah, it's a very small thing. I just I noticed it. I'll play it, and maybe some people will catch it. Blackbird singing in the dead of night. Take these sunken eyes and learn to see. There's a whole disc of stories that I found about this. Some interview, I don't know from where. And he said, the sh- a showrunner or producer, someone that he said looked almost like a cartoon character, kept asking them to rehearse the song, and she was calling it Blackboard. Oh. <laughs> Blackboard. <laughs> and, and he does, he's like, he says in the rehearsal tapes that exist, he's like, let's run Blackboard. <laughs> and he goes into Blue Moon of Leningrad, and he's doing all these in like a faux Russian accent. Blackboard singing in the dead of night. You know, it's, it's very funny stuff. And I also caught, I found a bunch of these recordings. We can work it out. He couldn't remember the lyrics. That's right. There's a false start on that one. It's kind of cool. And there are four other takes of that where he screws it up, where they have to, he goes through the song and he's like, yeah, I screwed it up again. We have to do it again. And it's, yeah, it's human. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I swear I rehearsed this. I, I know how this song goes. Yeah. People forget lyrics sometimes. Happens. I'm surprised it doesn't happen more often, frankly. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. I mean, this is the 1991 band. Blair Cunningham replaces Chris Witten here. But otherwise, it's the band from Trippin' the Live Fantastic. It's a fairly early episode of Unplugged. We haven't even mentioned that this is a 
I'm sure everyone knows, but we haven't even said it's this was an MTV show. A whole series of artists were on this show. And this is a fairly early in the run of the show. And little uh, Wikipedia fact here I'll share with you. Show producer Alex Coletti went on to say that had McCartney not released it, that is to say the unplugged official bootleg, the concept would never have gained the cult status that it went on to enjoy. Oh, I didn't know that. So he's Hmm. giving the album release of this credit for pushing the show itself along. Well, I learn something every time I listen to this show, and I'm on the show. Yeah, I learn all the things I've forgotten I said when I listen to the show. (laughs) (laughs) It's a huge body of work. There's so much to get into and to go through. If I could rattle off a couple others, we don't even have to talk about it. In 2006, he brought Flaming Pie back in the space within us. That was cool to see. He's playing Fine Line, obviously promoting that record. She Came In Through the Bathroom Window makes a reappearance in 2006. She's Leaving Home, the Paul McCartney in Red Square. Mm. That's cool. That's interesting. And then there's just piles and piles and piles of this material. You know, write us in, let us know, post on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. What are your favorite live moments? Let's hear it. Post some links. Let's have some discussion about this because we could talk about this for another five hours. And I don't know if I can, to be honest (laughs) with you. (laughs) We agreed that we would each bring a few favorite live covers to this podcast. What have you got? All My Trials. Yeah, me too. So that song is a folk song of unknown origin, apparently. Unknown? I didn't know it was unknown origin. Supposedly. And it's been performed by quite a few different people. It was maybe the highest charting one was Dick and Dee Dee. Mm -hmm. Ray Stevens did it at one point, and I think it charted. Joan Baez, Peter, Paul, and Mary. The one that I am the most familiar with or that goes back the furthest for me would be Elvis Presley Aloha from Hawaii has the American trilogy on it and Elvis sings a bit of all my trials in the American trilogy oh no kidding yeah in the middle part I'll play a little bit of that why not yeah let's hear some of that so hush little baby don't you cry You know your daddy's bound to die But all my trials, Lord, soon
I think uh, Paul comes up with his own take on it. Well, it is very religious for what Paul normally does. Because I downloaded this or bought this sometime in the way long ago. I just thought this was another lost Paul McCartney song. Me yeah, too. digging around. Oh, I had the same experience, Ryan. Yeah. Back in the Napster days, I came across it. So I just listened to it and thought, well, this is a Paul song. This is like an old, old school Paul song. It sounds like a McCartney song. So you, the fact that we're talking about how it's a spiritual from unknown origins is even more supernatural. Yeah. Because he really does make this his own, this recording. He does. It's live. Yeah, he does. Trip in the Live Fantastic highlights. It's not on the main two CD set, but it's on the highlights yeah. CD. So it's like a bonus track in a way. Yeah, and a CD single too. There are several singles from that era. If you can track them down, they're pretty hard to find. They're collector's items now. I brought three from Trip in the Live Fantastic, and okay. one of them was All My Trials. The other one for me that was just interesting is Sally. Sally. That's... Yes. <laughs> so there's an old song, a very old song, going back to the 1700s, called Sally in Our Alley. And I don't know the whole history of that song, but I do know that by the early 1900s, there was a musical called Sally in Our Alley. There was also a silent film in like around 27 called Sally in Our Alley. And then finally in 1931... There's Sally in Our Alley starring Gracie Fields, who I guess was kind of a British star at the time. Yes. And this was her debut. So she sings this song called Sally in this movie. And the song's written by Will Haynes, Harry Leon, and Leo Towers. And it was sung by her again, I think, later in the 50s and was sung by a few other people. I have no idea where Paul is grabbing this from. Is this from his dad, maybe? As a shot in the dark, I would say yes to that. That must be, right? So Yeah, it has to His be. dad maybe saw the movie and liked the song and played it, and that's where Paul picked it up. This is a little preview for me of how fun our covers episode is really going to be, because digging into the background of some of these songs is really fun. So I got one more, which is Don't Let the Sun Catch You Crying. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and that's also Trippin' Live Fantastic. Kind of a blues song written by Joe Green and recorded originally by Louis Jordan and his Timpani Five in 1946. But the person who really owned it was Ray Charles, 
who did it in 1959. It's so beautiful, I'm going to play a little bit of it. Don't let the sun catch you crying Crying at my front door You done daddy dirty He sure don't want you no more Don't let the sun catch you lying Lying at my front door That is done turned salted And baby, you made him so sore How about that? Wow. And this is also not to be confused with a song by Jerry and the Pacemakers called Don't Let the Sun Catch You Crying from 1964, which is something else entirely. Who knows why they would pick the same title, but... Yeah. Anyway, this is a, another beautiful cover by Paul. He's he's doing it justice with a blues interpretation here, and it's very mournful and beautiful. Don't let the sun catch you crying Oh, 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 oh. Crying on my front door You done died in dirty now And honey, he ain't gonna love you no more Don't let the sun catch you crying Crying on my front door You don't die to turn it up And honey, he don't love you no more It's really great. That was not on my list, but I'm glad that we explored that. I like that a lot. I have one, another one. I have a couple. I have these two. 20 Flight Rock. Mm Mm-hmm. Does it in 79, 90, 2005. Probably somewhere singing it right now. That's the famous, when he met John Lennon, he knew all the words. And he played the guitar upside down and it impressed him. I like when Paul does this song a lot. There's no specific version I like. Maybe the 79 version, but I know we're talking this later era, so I thought I could include it. Mm-hmm. Because it was on Trippin' the Live, Fantastic. I mean, briefly, that unreal Heartbreak Hotel from... The Abbey Road special where he's just playing the bass and singing the song. Oh, yeah. Cool as a cucumber, right? Yeah. Well, since my baby left me, I found a new place to dwell. It's down at the end of Lonely Street. It's a break hotel. It's a lonely baby. It's a lonely. It's so lonely. You could die. Well, if you baby leave you, You've got a tale to tell Just take a walk down Lonely Street to Heartbreak Hotel 
And you generally can't go wrong with Paul doing classic rock stuff like that. Well, I should say no. early rock stuff like that. Right. It's not really classic rock, is it, right? That's that's Led Zeppelin. <laughs> yeah. You got to accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative, latch on to the affirmative, don't mess with Mr. In-Between. You gotta spread joy up to the maximum, bring gloom down to the minimum. Have faith or pandemonium is likely to walk upon the scene. To illustrate my last remark, Jonah in the whale and Noah in the ark. What did they do just when everything seemed so dark? Man, they said we gotta. We didn't talk about this little record at all, but I really, really, really do like it. Accentuate the positive. Ah. I like that little live version Johnny from Mercer. Capitol Studios. Yeah, there you go. The other Mercer man. Uncle of mine, Johnny Mercer. Is that right? No, I'm, I'm kidding. Oh, gosh, come on. <laughs> I always felt an affinity for him, though, because he is from the South and his name is Mercer. So Maybe he is your uncle. A lot of stuff happens in the South. I'm man. really confusing people today, huh? Because I just said I was born in Hawaii, but then I said I was from the South. But I'm, I'm much more from the South than I am from Hawaii. The mysterious origins again. <laughs> Chris Mercer, ladies and gentlemen. That more or less wraps all of this up. I mean, it doesn't. No, it it introduces the topic is what it does. And if people want to study further, they should. And we'd love to find out what they discover. Chat amongst yourselves. Make some playlists. Get into some arguments on social media. We want to talk about this because it's so much. Okay, so I guess we won't be too coy about what our next episode's going to be. Ah, too bad. Yeah, well, we already sort of blew it. So, anyway, here's a little something from the next episode. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Too dark for you. Don't mess with Mr. In-Between. Our theme music is Martha, My Dear by John Lennon and Paul McCartney, realized by Ryan Brady. Take it away. The complete Paul McCartney archive podcast is powered by Pippa. All right. Thank you very much. This has been a pleasure for us, even though a bit of a sweat, but it's been a pleasure for us to see all your lovely little smiling faces. Uh, We hope you've enjoyed it anyway. If you haven't, too bad.